0: Welcome friend, we are so glad you've joined us to listen in as ordinary people share their extraordinary stories of how one man changed their lives forever. No two stories are the same, yet it's our hope that you'll relate enough to want to meet the same man all our listeners have met. Listen as my friends tell me about a man that gave them hope and love beyond their wildest imaginations. Josh Holland, welcome to the Tell Me About a Man podcast.
1: What? I'm glad to be here.
0: We're so glad that you've taken the time to um, tell us your story. But before we get started, we like to break the ice a little bit okay. with some questions. What is a bucket list adventure for you?
1: Oh man, I want to base jump off of uh, something tall.
0: <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, if you know me at all, you know that I have zero fear or shame or anything like that. Right. And so yeah, I would just... I have, me and my brothers had a joke for a long time that we wanted to learn, like, licensed base jumpers, uh-huh. so that we could go to the Grand Canyon and be like, hey, you want to see something crazy To just a random family, and then just jump.
0: <laughs> my mama heart, just like, right? oh, man. Yeah. What, so, when you base jump, do you land in water, or do you just...
1: No, okay, so the base jump is a parachute, it's basically parachuting off of a cliff, um, and you... Hope it opens. Yeah, you got to pull pretty quick, usually, on those kind of things, so...
0: Probably by the end of this podcast, we're all going to be thankful that you know a man. Yeah. Because just in case you get to do that, it could be an issue. It is good that I know a man. Right. That's true. Um, One more thing. Um, Cake or chips and salsa?
1: Chips and salsa. Okay. Yeah, immediately.
0: Okay. So far, that's been the the majority wins, chips Mm. and salsa.
1: Yeah, cake just... I I like cake, but yeah, chips and salsa.
0: It's so much day. easier and
1: fun to eat. Yes.
0: So much easier. All right. So, um, as we dive into this, tell um tell us a little bit about Josh growing up, who you were, what kind your family life looked like, and then sort of how life evolved for you.
1: Well, uh, anytime I you know Talk about a man. Uh, I tell my story like this. It always comes back to uh, you know anything about church or anything like that. Um, I'm one of those people that was always, always say I was born in a pew. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mom and dad were. I'm the youngest of four, so by the time I came around, things were beginning to kind of get into uh, <laughs> not so much craziness, I guess I right. should say, as um, as young families go. And I, you know, and so uh, we were in church all the time, and that's that was my childhood church was a very big part of what we did I mean I played sports and all that kind of stuff too but um, youngest of four and and we were always in church and so I was either with mom and dad at church or with a sibling at church and um, just got very inundated from a young age to the religion culture and and southern baptist Oklahoma Mm. Mm -hmm. culture especially Mm -hmm. and just um, so you know i we were always there Sundays and Wednesdays, um, and some people hear that and they think it's a bad thing, um, and I hope I don't sound like I'm saying it is a bad thing, because uh, some of the best friendships I had, still people I know to this day, that I pray for and love um, around the world are friendships that I made um, at that age. One of them, one of the kids that I grew up with now lives in the same neighborhood across, par- across the street from my parents. That's and so, awesome. I you know, went to Sunday school and stuff with Ryan for a long, long time, and just mm-hmm. so... Things like that, that memories and connections, and so um,
0: it's your community, it's
1: your home. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's that's a good way to put it. It was it was a, it was the community I knew better than anything else. I mean, played sports and all kind of stuff from the time I was little. But that wasn't a community like it was at church, and so um, potlucks and you know awanas and things like that that we were involved with, and um, all of that that really shaped a lot of my childhood. I mm-hmm. mean, just a lot of what we did and based our vacations and things around. Mm-hmm. My dad was a, you know, a servant and a deacon. And so my mom was the secretary for a long time. And, um, so, you know, when you go on vacation and things like that, a lot of it was based on what, you know, events and things were happening in the church. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Like, that's what, that's what early life was for me from zero to, to 12 or 11, pretty much. Um, so town, after 12,
0: church. were you like a perfect, child? Oh, far from it.
1: I was far from the perfect <laughs> child in, in the zero to 12 area as well. <laughs> Even before yeah, that? Yeah, or now, but, but yeah. Um, you know, as as the youngest of four and um, you know, as we talk, you'll hear, I'm sure, as I ramble and, and mm-hmm. say goofy things that I I know I've got a, a hint of ADD, ADHD, whatever it was they called it in the 90s. Right. And, um, and so, you know, I was a wild child somewhat and, and could get rambunctious and things like that. And um, then when I was, you know, that was a big part of my story. As we talk about this, is that when I was 11, you know, I came home and that childhood life that we had, you know. And I, I tell people a lot of times I had a very, you know, white picket fence type family. Of um, dad went to work in the morning, came home in the evening. We sat down together and, and ate dinner, and um, you know, watched TV together and things like that. We played sports together. We all went and cheered each other on. I mean, all those kind of things. Um, and and it came in my You know, words sometimes it came seemingly crashing down as the eleven-year-old Josh came home and Dad was oddly at home that day from from work and Mm. found out we were moving to another country and um, oh wow that big you know jump from Claremore, Oklahoma to Mendoza, Argentina and and just like that yeah I mean it was a couple months after they came home and told us and trucks were in the driveway and we were taking long flights and so um, that world changed very quickly Mm -hmm. Um, and so. I was thrust into something different. a different um, culture for yeah, sure majorly ad, I mean we spent fr- I mean it was very short after that that we were taking some extra Spanish classes and things like that here mm-hmm. um, and we were uh, trying to get prepared to go down there at least have a base knowledge of where we were going and um, which was you know pretty much not helpful at all because we got right. there and there was, you know, it was totally just a it's
0: different uh, lingo. Yes. It's like Southern versus Northern yeah, conversation,
1: or, you know? I mean, so you know, it, it was, it was a major thrown into the deep end culture shock and, uh, but it was good. Um, I spent 18 months basically, um, on my own, you know, and, and I say that as in I had just, uh, my older brother moved back after a few months of living down there um, to graduate high school, and it was just me and my middle brother. Um, and he and I at the time were both you know, coming into being boys right? Um, and hitting that puberty age, and so there was a lot of um, just angst and fighting. You weren't and, BFFs? No, not at all, yeah. um, for years after that even. And so um, I just felt alone for a long time. Um, and we came home, and that didn't seem to change. Moved. How
0: long were you down there? Yeah.
1: Um, ultimately we were only there about we were in country for like a year Uh, we were supposed to be there too um but that was smack dab in the middle of 9-11 um and so uh unrest went all over the world a lot of people that don't that weren't living anywhere other than Mm -hmm. uh, the country or the u.s um and and don't have any kind of connections outside don't realize how much 9-11 jacked up the whole world Mm -hmm. um, and caused crazy things all over the place and so for us um, my dad was on oil and things got wild down there and and countries and governments got crazy and so his um, his company thought you know we better bring your family home Mm -hmm. and just get you guys back and so ended up back home and um, you know we had lived for the first you know 11 years 11 and a half years of my life in one house on a couple acres and across street from my best friend and then we moved home and moved to the far other side of basically the county and um, things were different. And then we moved again not long after that and bought a house that my mom and dad still live in. That was still um, not where I was from um, in terms of like neighborhood wise and I lived in town for the first time in my life. And so things were just very different. The you know, kids from the neighborhood where kids that I knew from school, but weren't, like, my friends and things like that. And What's so the
0: population of Claremore, Oklahoma?
1: Well, now I'd say somewhere maybe around 30,000 back then. It was probably 20, maybe. So, so. in Oklahoma-wise, because hopefully people are listening
0: to this, I don't in rural America, okay. that's small. That's That's a small town to someone, say, from, you know, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But to us, that's a pretty decent size. So there were different rooms.
1: It's a 5A school. It's a 5A um, school. Versus like here in where we're sitting in Lindsay, Oklahoma, which is a 3A school, which is, you know. Like 3,000 people. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So So it wasn't just like, you know, you had 60 classmates. You had hundreds. Yes. So you definitely were, and you left for a while. People change.
1: You probably changed. That was a big one. You know, when I was the kid before i left i mean sure i had a lot of friends and things like that but when you're gone for a year um, plus from school and you come back into you know especially when i came back in i left in fifth grade and i came back into seventh grade mm. and so those exchanges yeah that's just a weird time in your life anyway i got two of them in the in that area right, right. now and so it's like gosh everything in the world is either the greatest one day or the worst the next, yeah. and so it's a roller coaster. Yeah, and my life was just horrible, and so I, I vividly remember this is the weirdest, creepiest thing. I, mean, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I vividly remember when we moved back, like looking out my window, at kids playing in the neighborhood. Like, would not have had a problem with me coming out there, probably, and playing with them. Would have known who I was and stuff. But I was so, I felt so awkward and alone in I your mean, head.
0: I, you felt like an outsider.
1: Yeah, that's a that, Gosh, you know me. I'm an emotional person. Right. And <laughs> already less than probably five, ten minutes. It's all good, and it's you know. And so, um, and
0: unfortunately we get in our own head and we yes. believe those lies yeah. and they are, because like you, you said it, the kids out there playing probably uh, could have cared less.
1: It ended up. I, I mean, gosh, I, I talked to one of them still. Um, yeah. you know, he, he's friends with all of us and, and Matt and I became good friends. Um, mm-hmm. but at that moment I looked out the window going, no, I'm that awkward kid that moved away right. and I was so alone in my world. Um, and that's the first time in my life I'd felt that way. Mm-hmm. Um, for eleven years, you know, I was the baby, and my brothers and they would tell tell you, I'm, you know, I'm the baby at, you know, thirty three years old, and right. still sit on mama's lap and all that kind of. There's you know, nothing wrong with being the baby. That's Absolutely right. Just I saying. Agree. And uh, if you're the baby, that just means that your mom and dad finally got it right. And, that's right. You know, so. We are a special group. <laughs> and and so you know, I had this um, just such a security blanket. Um, I felt taken from me when we moved, and that's not against my mom and dad or anybody. That's just as I. You know, life as a kid, life happens around you sometimes, you know, mom and dad and things like that. And you, you feel like it's your fault or you Mm -hmm. directly feel like it is purposeful against you. And it's so unfair and you Mm -hmm. just take those things as it is. And so, um, that's the way I felt for, gosh, I don't know when we came home for a while. And so, um, that's when I really began, you know, you think of the perfect little church family, church kid. I was that, you know, Mm -hmm. for 11 years. Yes, sure. I was a little, um, punk sometimes and got wild and rambunctious, but Um, You know, my life was was seemingly normal, and Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting into any kind of real trouble or anything like that. But, um, you know, when we came home, that's when it became obvious to me, especially in that seventh grade, living in town. That was the era where we still... Um, I say the era has, it feels like it's been a lot longer ago than it really has, but we still rode our bikes around town mm-hmm. and stuff like that still.
0: When the uh, streetlight came on?
1: Yes. It was still that, you know, mom and dad were hoping you were just coming home nowadays right. and they're not following you on Life360 right. on your, you know, on your yeah. phone thing, things. So, um, I got into a lot of things when I was able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. the kids I was running around with who became, um, you know, the best friends I've ever had still, you know, my, my best friend, Brandon. Um, and I have been that close since we were 13, and mm. that won't ever change. I ate lunch with him last week, and, you know, we're 20 years from that um, now. Literally turned 33 this last year, and so I'm um, still just close as we have ever been. But we were doing a lot of things then that I never knew. Even. I, I literally just didn't know about them because my life was different up until that point. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, do you think because you were, you had that sense of
0: loneliness or that outsider that you were doing those things to be included?
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, that was part of it beforehand. You know, all of the things I did were very church related and all that kind of stuff. When we moved home, um, it was just the two of, uh, me and my middle brother, my, my oldest two siblings had moved on and had been married. And, and so, um, it was kind of a, um, a different community that we were mm-hmm. in, still in church, still at the same church, still all this, but um, some families had left and things like that in that time frame, and we were getting more involved with, especially for me, um, travel, sports, and things like mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. um, as we talk, you know, longer, you'll know that you know, I, and you know, I, I played sports at a high level, mm-hmm. um, and to do that, you have to be in certain places and miss mm-hmm. certain things or do certain things mm-hmm. and, um, and be with certain people, and so. Um, I started to see different, you know, openings and, and because I was alone, especially at 13 years old, I wanted to be a part of the group and mm-hmm. I started to feel a little bit more accepted. I, I longed for that. And so I dove headlong into mm-hmm. whatever it was, whatever my friends wanted to do. I was, I was full headlong into it. My, you know, even at that point in time, I'd been told, you know, people are going to do what you want to do. Cause I was that kind of person. So you're a leader. So I'm yeah, I have that. You know, I, I don't like to say that. I never have, um, and that's why people say oh, yeah, I'm a leader, and it drives me insane. It's like I'm sorry, God gave me humility. You know, it's right. not a humble thing to say. Right. But it's like you know, it, it that's that's not my mindset, and right. so, um, but it was, and that's how it worked, and you know, and so that what it was, I dove into a lot of things. And, mm-hmm. You know, you know, we can talk about. So,
0: this. are we talking like you threw some eggs at some houses, or are you like? smoked a pack of cigarettes or you oh. like stole a car or you like robbed a store
1: i mean i didn't steal a car because it was my parents but i took one before i had my license <laughs> so if that counts but yeah all of the above oh man know. i was just guessing too I, I have done all of those things i have egged, you know back literally in you know what is it? it's it's 123 23 and eggs are like eight dollars for right. you know, a couple of them right now and so uh, back then, before eggs were so expensive, we used to throw them at houses and toilet mm-hmm. paper as well. And yeah, mm-hmm. I did all of that. I, you know, Saran wrapped cars with chocolate syrup and all sorts of terrible. terrible was it things.
0: was it coming from a place of like just being funny, or was it coming from a place of like
1: vengeance and anger? I think at first, when me and my friends started getting into that kind of stuff um, and just being, I mean, I. I if you think back in that era you know they had the punk rock thing and we were very into that like you know blink 182 and all those kind of you know punk rocker mm-hmm. bands and i hate to say that music influences you like that because i was for the longest time against that but i believe that it does. it does and you have that you kind of buy into those cultures and things like that and so we were just being cool and, mm-hmm. and destructive and we thought mm-hmm. that was a, a cool thing and so but at first i think it was funny you know we were you know, you go to a bathroom, my parents live by a golf course and you just take all of the toilet paper from the roll and just string it everywhere and just leave, leave a huge mess. And it was just to us, oh, anarchy. And we're just being right. ornery kids. Right. But as we got older in the things that we did, you know, I did, especially, you know, newsflash, here comes the big part of Josh's story is that, um, you know, and drugs and things started to get involved. We did things, you know, breaking into apartments at my friend's apartment complex and things like that. But it wasn't so, funny anymore. So
0: the little concerned. funny, I want to be included, I've got some buddies to hang out oh, with, yeah. at, at what age did it did it move into, like, this is a problem? Not not that you saw it as a problem, but like you would be like, I could see where things went wrong and what did those things look like?
1: I was probably um, somewhere between 16 and 18 in that area. Okay. It had been a few years of, um, you know, dabbling here Testing and dabbling the waters. there and getting away with what we could and you know, trying lies to see how far we could take them and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, bending the truth to see how far we could bend it and things like that. And so, um, but by the time I was that age, it was like, okay, I know how far I can push and I know how far I can Mm -hmm. go um, without getting caught. And so Mm -hmm. we would tow that line all Mm -hmm. day, every day most of the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, from um, dusk till dawn, it was whatever we wanted. You know, and the sad part about that was is that I wasn't a bad kid. Um, I, and I say that in terms of like I know I was doing a lot of you know mm-hmm. harmful things mm-hmm. but I, I went to class I had good grades I was respectful um, t- for the most part to my teachers mm-hmm. um, and I didn't I don't want to say that I ever you know, was perfect or whatever but in terms but I wasn't that kid that stuck out like oh yeah that's the kid you know if it was you know, you're talking about who's who. I was, I was who who who's who is most dramatic because i right. I was just always. Ooh, so were big, you kind of so. living
0: a double life?
1: Oh, the yes, completely. I mean, I was a two, I was a two-faced person for years and years. Really. Um, I mean, even into adulthood, when I started getting sober and away from those things, I still found myself having to pull myself out of that. You know two-faced person being the real josh and mm-hmm. stop you know hiding who i really was from people. so
0: are you showing up to class high or drunk
1: oh every yeah even no. i started showing up to school high um you know doing the whole as as the kids say wake and bake uh, type <laughs> thing um from the time i was like 15 and on um i wow. rode to school with my brother who's a senior when i was a freshman and um I got to, I got opportunities to play higher um, as a freshman and things like that. Got to play up and go to varsity practices, and I won't say ever played, but uh, as a freshman, but um, JV and things like that. That, you know, um, I got. You're around adult,
0: older influences. I was gonna say,
1: and I had an older brother who's a senior, and so I got to be around some of those older guys. And um, like me and Brandon would get, you know, run into these guys before school, and, and you know, go to a parking lot deep in. You know, a truck deep in the, park, deep in the parking lot. Sorry, I get my words out, and um, you know, light up or, or smoke a joint or whatever it was, and I'm um, gonna go to class. And so that began. Then when I started to drive, it was oh, it was it was a whole lot easier. You mm-hmm. know, you go pick him up, um, and he'd get in my truck, and we would roll the windows down and drive to school and change hoodies or whatever we needed to do. And in and,
0: your mind, no one suspected anything. And
1: and for the longest time, I really honestly don't think anybody did. Yeah. Um I don't mean that in any derogatory way toward my family or any teachers or anything like that but i mean we were we were pretty smart Um, we wanted to live that double life because we liked both sides of it and -hmm. the the things that we got Mm -hmm. from both sides of it and so um you know you come to that you know the passage in scripture about um, you cannot serve two masters Mm -hmm. i mean there's You know the reason people do is because they like what comes from one or the other master Mm -hmm. and and then they realize oh both of these have good things and you begin to you know you get torn in two different directions and it just doesn't work out and so for us it was yeah getting accolades from being a great athlete not getting accolades from all these dudes because they know I'm a party animal and does all this cool stuff and whatever behind the scenes and so um, I tried to hide that for the longest time and so we would get high, go to school, go to class, um, go to practice, and then leave, and I had a job. um, And so this is where it got to be even worse. Um, And and the whole, I should backtrack, I guess, um, we're talking about a man. And um, this whole time, throughout all of this, nothing for my childhood changed. Um, Mom and dad, still big, big influences of church. Mm -hmm. Um, Still involved heavily in the youth group at my church was the small group prayer leading mm. kid and was the small group leader at falls creek and teaching lessons on the you know during falls creek days and was that kid that was put in those leadership positions and um, was involved at church was involved at school and was in the math club and i mean like i said i was a good student and stuff i, I did I, I dotted my t's and crossed my eyes right mm-hmm. and nobody mm-hmm. nobody caught it yeah and so everybody was, um, everybody was just looking the other way because nothing really shouted. Josh is doing drugs, or right. you know, Josh is running wild because we were really, really hard on. Hey, we can't let these two cross, or we're done. Right. Right. And so um, all that time, I was playing that game, and that man didn't mean anything to me for a long time.
0: Yeah.
1: Jesus was just. You had knowledge? Yeah, as a pacifier. When I was hurting, when I was Mm. sad, or, you know, when I was feeling bad about those things I'd done and contemplating, do I really want to be this, you know, 90s thug M&M dude, you know, gangsta wannabe kind of person, or do I really, or am I really meant for something else? Um, that's when I would get into it. Um, I can remember, um, you know, when I first got into youth group, um, our our youth guy at the church at times, his name was Scotty. Um, and Scotty had an early like, Tuesday morning prayer breakfast. And I can remember at times sitting there with my head between my knees, waiting for Scotty to go, okay, everybody, go ahead and gather back up so I can go get some biscuits and gravy. Um, and I remember other times just being, and you know this from personally knowing me, deep in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always that's, that's one of the spiritual things that I know that God has given me um, in my life is, is prayer. And so um, and I think anybody can if they practice, but right. um, you know, for me, that as a younger person, that was something. That was a place I just felt like good, just letting it all right. just flow out. There were so you knew
0: there was there. good there. Yeah. But I, you enjoyed this other life that you yes, were living.
1: I felt so. So as I. As I got older, and as things got more addictive, and I got mm-hmm. into more trouble, and things got harder to get away from, I found myself. You know, that, that two-face, that going two different directions was, I mean, it, it literally was killing me in yeah. um, and, and certain terms, um, figuratively, in certain terms, literally, because mm-hmm. of things I was doing. But I was crushed by conviction for so long um, because I never, and I say this a lot, and people are like, yeah, right, but you were doing this. But I never didn't believe there wasn't a God, or mm-hmm. how to word that. Mm-hmm. I, there was never a time in my life where I didn't believe. Um, mm-hmm. I, scripture tells you there's a still small voice when you're gods your gods when he calls you his there's there's nothing until the day you die he's gonna haunt you it's like yeah it's, mm-hmm. that's a terrible way to put it but you're you're gonna feel that conviction you're gonna hear him calling you in those times and, and that was you know there's so many stories that you can relate to with that of you know um gosh you think of jonah and just him hearing god telling me he blatantly you're going to go here and do this and him saying no and going the other way and just right. the turmoil that he felt going you know getting swallowed by fish all those things that you know you can relate to and, and I felt that for so long the conviction of you know guys around you on a boat going why are we going through this, this right. is my god I'm, I'm the one causing this let me jump overboard this is and I felt let me just there was so long that I felt like let me jump overboard. Just, just let mean. me just get done with this and, and I mean that's I should have so much stuff up my nose and pills down my throat Mm -hmm. and smoked so much different who knows and drank and drank and drank until I couldn't remember um and so I just I felt that you know and simply and I believe that and so maybe anybody who listens to me as a kid who grew up in the church and who fought that and who I say it to my you know as a as, you, as a youth minister, I tell my students all the time. I hope it's your faith and not your parents faith mm. um, Because so I lived true. on theirs for so long that when I got to those places I didn't have a real faith of my own to lean on mm-hmm. I had just you know used it as a band-aid and mm-hmm. so it wasn't real to me mm-hmm. so um, I, When I really truly needed it, it I didn't know how to access it. it because I was like you said I just had knowledge of it yeah. I didn't really connect to it and really pour into it and so um, after so many years of, of letting it be fake. Um, it really started to hit home when I was about 16 or 17 and I had gotten in trouble for the first time. Um, I was 17. Um, and I was at school and, and got caught with pills that weren't mine and long story short, me, short Sure. Me. Everybody
0: yeah. says that uh, uh, yeah, just No, no, literally, <laughs> no, this time they really were, <laughs>
1: no, they, they were mine, but they had a, they was in a prescription bottle that was not mine. And gotcha. so that was the problem is that, you know, um, I had things that didn't belong to me and mm-hmm. shouldn't have been mine, and were a right. class one narcotic. And mm. So I was dead to rights at school. Um, I think the luckiest thing about all that 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 God <laughs> ordained in my life was that I was still seventeen, mm. um, and so mm. I lucked out. Yep. Um, could have gone to prison. Um, probably still could have gotten in trouble. They probably could have tried me at seventeen and, and caused me because there was a whole bottle, a whole big, big, big bottle of pills, almost three yeah. month type things. And wow. So, um, me and Brandon got caught and got in trouble and got suspended. I had to go through multiple weeks of counseling and group sessions and all were sorts of. Were your parents stuff.
0: shocked? Because is it, it my is it to understand I, that up to this point they thought things were fine?
1: Yeah, for the most part, I think really that they were shocked. I I think they knew things were going on. I think they had started to realize that I was not who I really was acting mm-hmm. like. Um, and I think that when it happened, though, they were shocked at the. Like all of the things that came to light, how um, deep it really yeah, was. I mean, so
0: they thought my son's just out back road and doing a couple things, but yeah, no, he's like, he's, it's yeah, serious. he's out
1: there drinking with his buddies or whatever. They're right, no big deal. He might be smoking pot, you know, some, right. some kind Not of. Not that they thoughts, would have been okay but,
0: with that, but right, they
1: were. They were knowledge there, but I don't think right. they had any idea that their son was dealing drugs and mm-hmm. and yeah, had all sorts of drugs in his system. I mean, when I did a. The, uh, for the school's sake i had to do all sorts of stuff um and i stay f- safe for the school's sake because that was the first time um, you heard me say that i got in trouble and so it didn't mm-hmm. it didn't click that time but mm-hmm. i got sober for the first time at 17 um in years i mean uh, wow. for for a long time at that point we had been whether we were smoking or, or trying to find cocaine or pills and it's not like i was you know, rolling in it like I'm some New York right. pin. But for a 17 year old kid, when you can constantly find enough pot to get high every day or somebody that's got Xanax or their mom that's got Xanax that, you know, they're stealing from the cabinet or, or yeah. you know, uh, the older kids who had gone to graduate and they're in college now. And so cocaine is on the table and you start finding these things. And so when you're constantly being able to have something to get high on, it wasn't you know, some people were like, how How do you call yourself a drug addict? You weren't, and I was like, well, I was addicted to being high. It wasn't the fact that I had to be high right. on one certain, one certain thing, thing, but I was, was high just... for, there's a stupid line from an Eminem song that talks about how I can walk around high on, or for months on a buzz, and that was a true statement, and it was almost a goal, basically, yeah. for me and my friends at that point. We had gotten to that point of wanting to be that way, and so... Yeah, I think when they found out the extent of what all was going on, they were probably pretty, pretty shocking. Yeah, um, big time. Um, And so that was a like major eye opening moment for them, for me too. Um, I think when you know I took a drug test that day, um, and they um, they were outside, you know, in the waiting room and had to go through all these steps so that when it came time, the school would allow me to go back to school if I Mm -hmm. did everything like I was supposed to. And so uh, walk out and there's, if you've never had to take a urine test, um, there are certain little bars on the inside of this cup that have, or or a strip that they put in mm-hmm. it that means the certain dipstick. things mm-hmm. when they colored when they come out colored. And so when they pull it out and there's multiple colors on that stick and they look at you like...
0: Everything's lit up.
1: Yeah, you're 17, man. Like, how is this much drugs in your system? You know, as some white kid in small town Oklahoma, right. it's like, you know, when you want it, you want it. And yeah. so for those of you out there, yes, I know that small town doesn't mean squat. No. It's there, especially in our no. country and every yeah. corner of it. And this was... Two thousand and seven. Two thousand six. So something like that.
0: Thirteen years yeah. I mean, so it's not 13, like 14, that long yeah. ago. Yeah. So, so think about how far we are now. Then you have now you have social media oh, and yeah. all the
1: ways to get a hold of people. Yes. So, yeah. so yeah, back then it was hey, there's a locker in this hallway that right. doesn't get used <laughs> exactly. and there's a backpack in there. You better put your cash in there, I'll bring it back during lunch. And so uh, <coughs> those kind of crazy things. Hope you hope you school attendants are listening to these crazy right, things exactly. that students will go to the extent to do exactly. and so, um, and we, you know, and so I had to go through all this stuff. and So you've, you've been caught. I've been caught. Reality. Reality hits big time. Um, sober for the first time in a long time. And, um. For how long? For, at that point in time, and even when I got the opportunity, um, I didn't, I didn't do anything for a while. I was, I was pretty nervous. So. Um, mom and dad which I still go back to this sorry mom and dad if you listen to this and think this was probably one of the worst decisions they ever made um, in my parenting was that after this happened a couple of months later I was getting ready to go back to school where they were allowing me after the nine weeks to come back for that second part of the second semester of school I got I got kicked out of school in 2006 um, 2007 actually I think I, I think it was 2007 in January, may have been February, um, the day after the Super Bowl. Um, so that's how I remember that. Nice. Whatever day after the Super Bowl was in 2007 was the day I got in trouble my junior year of high school.
0: So every time you watch the Super Bowl, do you think about
1: it? I do. Yeah, every year. Wow. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a um, a test, a testament in my life to think back of how many years removed from that I am, that's and, cool. and the things that I can remember happening mm-hmm. between now and then. And so, um, but I had some friends uh i got to go back after spring break that was the time frame that was kind of the mark on the calendar that i got to go back to school after that Mm -hmm. and had some friends that were going to uh, uh, oolaga lake um, up there in northeast part of oklahoma and we were going to spend a couple of days camping and fishing and stuff like that and my mom and dad were like you know ask who's going and they trusted some of the guys that were going uh, more than they trusted some of the people uh, from the past that they would have known that were going Mm -hmm. um and so uh, let me go. And I, like I said, there were things there that came up over those two days that I just, I, I think I was shell-shocked and mm-hmm. knew, no, like, yeah. that was close. I've had handcuffs on. I didn't like that feeling. Right. Like, I got walked out of school and I was kind of, like, the yeah. crazy things happened. I, I can't want, go back there. Yeah, I don't go. I don't want to go. I don't want to see the look on my mom and dad's face. like mm. That again. That was another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am the baby. I, I do,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, love the heck out of my mom and dad. And, and the things that I put them through kill me still um, all these years later. But... Um, Yeah, that was a that was a hard one. I didn't want to go through that again. And so I waited for some time. And then sometime that summer. um, Well, hold on before anything um, else happened. That summer was the summer that I surrendered uh, while I was at church camp, Falls Creek, here in Oklahoma um, to the ministry. I felt God saying this is uh, you're going to be in the church like you're going to be used in the church. I was so afraid of that for so long because I know what that meant. Um, I know what that meant now, and I knew what that meant then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it meant nothing of the lifestyle that I was living in that moment. And mm-hmm. so I didn't like that. Um, I was still, even after getting in trouble, I was still being told that I was going to be, you know, this big football player and all that stuff. And I was being, you know, prodded along by coaches and, and kind of mentored by a couple of my coaches that. Um, you know, that I could do these things and go, you know, and keep your head on straight and do the right thing and um, stay out of trouble this time and, and we can make this work and you can go somewhere. And so I was I was dead set on that. And I wanted that more than anything and um, was frustrated when that happened. That false mm-hmm. Greek, and I was like, <laughs> so we always went uh, the church I grew up with. If you don't know, if you're not an Oklahoma person, listen to this. Right. We have a church camp here, and it goes literally from the first week of June to the last week of July. And in that eight weeks, um, there's about six to eight thousand kids yeah. on campus every single week. Eight thousand people, I should say. Right. Um, up to every week of the summer, and uh, we always went toward the end, um, in the very last couple of weeks of July, seven or eight. And um, I was frustrated because I knew I was about to go back and hit. 2 a days and hit practice hard and go into football, like, senior year, here we go. Mm-hmm. and knew I had stuff coming and big opportunities. And hearing the Lord tell me that, it was I, I blocked it out even more. And I think it made me angry. And so I think in my mm. mind, I was like, not my plan, God. Thank you for being so transparent about that.
0: Because mm. most people are like, I heard from the Lord. This is my calling. <laughs> you're like, I heard from the Lord, and I don't like it. Yeah, and I Because I've been there. Yeah. And that's part of my story. And you're just like, I'm okay. Why this is did, not okay.
1: Yeah, why'd you make me a 6-foot, 220-pound kid that can run a 4 four forty and throw people around like I can, play ball the way that I can, and I don't... To stand in front of a pulpit. To be a preacher. Right. To mm. take something from me from... And I feel that way. I don't mean it as that way. I know that it wasn't what he wanted and what his right. will was for my life. It's right. so much better than what I could have gone with football, right. but... Still to this day, I went to the gym this morning, and I'm a strong man. Right, 33 years old, and I'm I'm not breaking down. I'm getting yeah. better. I feel like Kristen, my yeah. wife, calls this my Jesus year. You right. know, I'm in the pride, you Jesus know, year. And so i um, It's that. It's that mentality. I was bred to be an athlete in yeah. my mind. The way that you know my mom and dad raised us as character and strong men, mm-hmm. raised in families that were raised by this. You know, as we've dubbed it, the greatest generation. Um, Mm. A grandfather that fought in the wars. A grandfather was raised on cattle ranches and lost his father when he was 16. So had to raise a family himself and and be, I mean, just hard men. And so um, I just felt that in my bones. I was just strong and tough and blah, blah, blah. And so I did not like hearing that. Did not like writing that in a journal that you're going to serve God in a church. Like I can, I can remember those things, and I remember at the time uh, my youth minister uh, really was the a huge influence in my life, and I still to this day I, I think about Kevin and some of the things that I learned and, and had him say to me in those times and uh, assuring me, you know, affirming me about you know my leadership and you know how well mm-hmm. I am in those ways, and it just drove me insane, and I could not wrap my head around you know yeah i look like tim tebow man there's no right <laughs> there's no reason for this why right. would you you know and so um i think when it came back around that next time i dove again headlong intuitive in rebellion yeah i, I don't think so tim right. <laughs> nobody's i don't <laughs> i'm gonna be the biggest baddest like you know, there's a that any given sunday movie it's a football mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. And i don't recommend it as a christian man right but as a football player i loved it back in the day and you know, just the attitude of those guys in that movie, that Hollywood lifestyle of cocaine and parties and mm-hmm. millionaires and flights to different cities to play football. And I was like, I'm about to be that dude. And every I turned into it. that guy every bit of it. And my senior year... Um,
0: How'd fo- that work out for you? Football
1: is terrible. Um, I had... I say football is terrible. I had torn my wrist up uh, jun- that summer, um, lifting and getting big. Um, and that was before I was doing any of that stuff again. And so I got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. And I was wearing a you know, uh, uh, basically a club on my left hand most of this year, and so it actually kind of worked out in my favor. And I played defense and and could whop dudes with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but our team was horrible. Um, the year before we went three and seven. That year we went five and five. Uh, they tell you you don't even remember it, but I remember so many of those snaps there in those two years that right. I, you know that'll never go away in my brain. And um, you know I think back to, to myself personally. I had a great season, head um, coach. That was one of those years that. Those two years, of junior and senior year, well, it made it worse. Um, it shouldn't have, but mm-hmm. for me, it made it worse that you have coaches after the team, after the game from the other teams come over and, you know, forty five or number sixty, you're, you can play ball. Um, hey, you know you ever think about moving over here to play in jinx or union or right. you know trying to get guys that are trying to pull you across you know over into another place to go play even as a high school kid um and the, i'm not trying to toot my horn but and that happens still to this day people are when you can play they want to try to get you in, in right. their place and um guys that stop you after game shaking hey, 60 i'll see you playing on saturday right. know, i'll see you next year you, you keep uh, you keep it up and stuff like that would just drive it even more in my right. mind if see god <laughs> how could right. that be how could this right. not they're be not my wrong. path yeah right I mean, all of these guys they're professionals how could they not know and so um i, I had a great season in my own mind but our, you know I, i'll never forget the last play i ever played um you know i tackled this kid knowing that's it time's about to run out and mm-hmm. I, I stood out there watching the turn around watch the clock click, click click past zero and thought man that that's it i know no more high school football mm-hmm. And so we had a couple of weeks of nothing and had was just working out and trying to stay in shape. I I had some offers and some things that were kind of playing out in that time and trying to take the next step to the next level to go play ball. um, First home basketball game, um, you know, senior football player. I don't play basketball Mm -hmm. big school. We had enough sports and things like that. I could, you know, at that point in time, I was down to wanting to be that Mm -hmm. one sport athlete of, of focusing on playing football. And so, um, was just waiting to stand in the front of the student section and yell like a wild man and uh, had two friends show up with a a fifth of jack Mm. actually it was a fifth crown and Mm. uh, we went and the three of us finished an entire bottle of crown and um, came back to the games And um, one of them got in trouble and me and the other one scooted out and left and uh, Mm. thought we got away with it um, but got pulled in the next morning and enough kids had confirmed and had said oh yeah they were definitely the other two um, got a whole lot less slaps on the wrist Um, and Mm -hmm. because of the things that had happened in my past already Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. the you know the world crumbled down Mm -hmm. and uh, all of the things around me crashed and um, I had nothing left all of the opportunities that I had to play ball were very quickly gone oh wow um, so you lost all those everything was gone um, so we're was, just didn't
0: get around town it got like out uh, yeah, it was out out yeah um
1: you know you go back and try to look and there's a lot of no josh holland um in sports world in oklahoma I mean, wow a lot of my stuff's just gone and i don't mean that like i was some kind of x mark but it just wasn't published or anything like that just because i was a you know mm-hmm. got caught drunk at a basketball game and again got expelled for the second year in a row from high school and so right um, finished my senior year from my bedroom uh, what we call ouch a, yeah what we called a claremore homebound and i ouch. was homebound mom and dad were right on board with that you know he's homebound he ain't going nowhere and um, i was 18 at the time and so um it made me mad and i was a man in my mind right mm-hmm. you know you're 18 you know i go from that 12 year olds point back when they moved and Right. Moved me all over the place, and I was just had to put up with it. At this point in time, it was like whatever. They don't like it, you know. They can get over it. I was just yeah. drunk, and I just played into it. Of you know, now everything's gone, and I was angry at the world again, and lonely again. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, once again sitting at home by myself. Everybody was at school. Guys were wrestling. Guys were going to baseball practice, mm. and uh, Josh was going to work in Mazio's during the day. And I had nothing, um, nothing to look forward to, nothing to excite me anymore, nothing to have goals or motivation towards, and so I was just lonely and sad and miserable, Mm -hmm. and uh, once again, I just got really into drugs and all that stuff, and so unfortunately, I failed to mention um, her enough, but um, my wife um, now, who was my girlfriend um, during the most of all of that, um, we didn't get together until right before, I guess senior year had already started, but we were dating. So um, while you were playing football? Before that, yeah, so she was a she came in um and was a friend of mine and we've been close and friends for years and years and years and um, ran the same group of people and things like that but um we're just friends um, until right before senior year started but had watched me go through all that stuff and um, even some of those people that I was kid friends with at church and stuff that um she was like them and they just constantly trying to keep me from doing those things and Mm -hmm. I knew what I was doing and you know, I bragged and act like it was funny around my friends and this, you know, my age people, mm-hmm. um, because I wanted them to think how cool I was. Cause I was the drug dealing kid that everybody, you know, had the shades pulled over on. And right. so, um, literally kept me alive, um, than once and, wow. um, just, just things like that, that I think back to, but, um, she was watching me go down this spiraling path and, um, didn't want to be a part of it, had a lot of stuff going on in her own life. Um, her parents were going through some, I had already been divorced and some other things had happened and now it was falling apart again and so mm-hmm. um, just didn't want to deal with a relationship and so um, then she and I weren't anymore um, and weren't together and she had said she needed some time and um, I, I got really close in that point I think the first time I've ever been um, to not necessarily consciously, but subconsciously ending my own life and doing wow. drugs and partying and stuff so bad that it was, I mean, worse than it had ever been. I mean, days and days worse than I uh, had ever been. And so I was in a very dark place. And my dad came home one day with the mail in his hand at lunch and was like, hey, check this out. You got a letter from a college. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I literally, I literally thought it was funny, still think it's funny. Um, and this... Um, sorry to anybody that went to Bay Cone College, but we went to a podunk (laughs) college in Oklahoma. Right. Um, but this little podunk college in Oklahoma that had a Christian ministry program, um, sent me a letter. I had filled something out somewhere along the lines and they'd got my name and said, Hey, we got open spots. And And they didn't know
0: you had been blacklisted.
1: Nope. And so I got, uh, in the car with my dad, maybe the next day, who knows, but he was, basically at that point he was so tired of the way I was coming home and living and Mm. they knew it and um, it was like it's this or out or military or something right you know you got it this doesn't keep up yeah and so it was good for your parents yes yes, by the way good for your parents again um right before school got out um Christmas break my senior year um, is when I got in trouble so um basically six months later I was going to a college over the summer to Try to get into college and they looked at my scores and they were, you know, looked at my grades and things like that. And so I don't understand. I kind of talked to them and the guy's name is Leroy that did my, um, you know, getting us all admissions and advising and all that kind of stuff. And Leroy ended up playing a major part in my life. Um, went in, I had spent, um, copious amounts of time in an x-ray room because of football and, you know, sports mm-hmm. and things like that and broken bones. And so, um, I thought, you know what, they have a radiology program here, that'd be really cool. And so I got on the radiology program, and he was like, that's, you know, it's a good program, we have a lot of students graduate out of that, it's one of our best, and um, so that was fine, And but he never left me alone, because mm. he was the liaison for the Christian ministry program, mm. and he had just known, him and my dad just hit it off immediately, mm. and, you know, guys like Gordon and Leroy, names like that, they right. had to hit it off, right. <laughs> and uh, you know, they talked, and my dad told him all about me and stuff like that that day that I enrolled, and so he knew that I knew Lord and knew that I was in need of somebody mm-hmm. on that campus to keep an eye out on me probably is what my dad may have been thinking and so um got me hooked up with these um, Christian ministry people um even put me in the dorm with those people because mm. I didn't have a I didn't have an actual they don't have like a radiology dorm or anything like that there mm-hmm. you know, a medical program dorm and so um, it was just going to be whatever dorms for me as a freshman. And I got lumped into some Christian ministry kids and got a really nice apartment dorm. And it was nice. like, oh, this is sweet. You know, this is like kind of life I've been looking for, right? And away from mom and dad. And, but you didn't
0: know. It yeah, they I'd, were intentional. Oh, big
1: time. And so all four of the guys that I lived with were also very clen- connected and close to Leroy and also had been given instruction of, hey, he really needs some love in his life. He really nice. needs to see. And one of the things that um, since then, one well, of them's name was Ace, um, one of the guys I lived with, um, and one of the things that they said um, that Leroy had told them basically was that, hey, he needs to realize that life can be fun as a Christian or life can be good as a Christian. Because mm. um, as a kid, you know, that's all I saw was perfect little Christian families mm-hmm. and perfect church stuff. And, I don't, you know, you yeah. never saw life. And then when life came along and I dabbed into it, here right. we go. It, yeah. And then I got in trouble and had, you know, was still, you know, a big, huge dude and could lift. On, I mean, and so it was this where does that all connect how do I you know, mm-hmm. and, and so it didn't to me and I just didn't find any of any enjoyment in Christianity and um, again I believed and I knew that that was the truth but it was like why is it so why does the rest of everything have to <laughs> excuse me suck because of cr- right. Christ you know because of the truth that I know and so I was so frustrated for so long and lonely like I said mm-hmm. and all of that stuff I put in my life because I knew um, that I wanted to find something to replace the truth. Mm. And it never did. Um, and those guys came around me and started waking me up for Bible study and devotion and That's making sure I went to Wednesday night worship and asking me to do certain things and um, being involved in going to coffee shops at Thursday night at midnight that were open 24-7 to literally just sit and hang out and be friends mm-hmm. and talk and laugh and goof and think about your futures and things like that. that and be vulnerable
0: and transparent. Something I've no never judgment. done. Right. there'd
1: never been a lot of that with and those other guys that, you know, uh, I could name five or six guys that I grew up with that I've known my whole life but rarely did we do that. We were just trying to get high. We were right. just trying to have fun and party and do the next, you know, I won't say that the other term for donkey, but there was that TV show that we just wanted to do the dumb MTV thing and get high and bang our heads around and do. No depth. There was no depth. And so to sit around this table with these guys and listen to them be vulnerable and talk about the things in their lives. And they grew up in much different ways than I did. Their lives were not as simple and nice as mine. They weren't raised by near as great as people they had a reason to be angry and bitter and
0: high i
1: literally just got told i couldn't play football as a (laughs) (laughs) career and i'm here mad at god and you guys like actually have some rough family stories and stuff and um and so you know i uh i started to see people in a in a different light you Mm know again that that church i grew up at was one that I'd been at my whole life and so the people in that church were so familiar. Their Christian little lives were so perfect and I say that with such drama in my voice mm-hmm. because a lot of times when we see that we don't realize there's still people out there outside of this 8 billion people in this world that we don't know that are living for Christ that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you don't know anything about them. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't know all the things about Kelsey and you don't know all the things about Jesse and all these kids that you grew up with and, you know, they're not the same people that you've seen your whole lives and then you start sitting around these and they're sharing their stories and you're going, okay, those people weren't just as fake as I thought. Mm-hmm. You know, they were real and, mm-hmm. and they were trying to help me and they were going through things like I was and so I say all of that to, to come full circle to these guys sat around with me looking at me going... You just have to realize how good God is, man, mm. like, and and how tainted we make things. Mm-hmm. And, and so, let me talk about a man, and Jesus became real for me um, when I was 19 years old, and everything in my life up to that point had been so um, either you know, easy because of my mom and dad and the life that I lived, or... Um, things that I had caused myself yeah. and watched other people rescue me out of and mm-hmm. so um, I really finally started to realize okay um, I could be a six feet under because of the things I was doing mm-hmm. um, I could be I, I could have been left he could have let me run down that path mm-hmm. and not taken those things from me the way he did um, I look at now losing football as such a blessing which is hard for me to say because I still love it. I yelled last night at the TV because the Cowboys are losing to the 49ers in the playoffs, and I've been dreaming of that since I was like seven. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, still angry about football, but so much uh, so much road on that in my mind mm. And to see a game, you know, that doesn't truly make a difference in your life. Um, I mean, this is a fun game. It's a blast. Yeah. Right. But, you know so is checkers if you play it with the right people so right exactly (laughs) um that that truly didn't matter and um i realized that he didn't leave me because i didn't believe he truly mattered Um, he still was putting people in my life to share his love Um, and then the most traumatic thing that had ever happened in my life happened Um, kristen and i had definitely not been living uh, moral um, and had been doing things that um, you shouldn't do it until you're married and and you know been intimate with each other. And um, our daughter was born um, kind of out of nowhere. Um, did not know we were having a kid. Um, people are like, "How does that happen?" And I still wonder, "How does that happen?" But it happened. Uh, this is
0: your freshman year in college.
1: Yeah, hers um, also. Uh, kind of. She did tech school and and was a, she graduated Mrs. high school and was done with high school. And yeah, we were out of school and at uh, the summer of my fre- after my freshman year of school. Um, You know, so that whole freshman year, we had been living in that, you know, that way. And she'd come there, and I'd go to her mom's apartment, you know, or whatever. And Mm so, um, you know, there's pictures from, our daughter was born on August 4th, and there's pictures from July 4th of us on a boat. Um, And she's wearing a bikini that summer, and just, there's, you know, we had no idea. And then a month later, here's a baby. That's crazy. Um, And the biggest part of that whole story, yes, we had a child god miraculously gave us a child that was healthy right the lifestyle i mean she was not anything like me at all she didn't do any of the stuff i did and so you know luckily god gave you know her the you know genius mind not to be a loser like her boyfriend (laughs) was and so she wasn't around and putting all that stuff in her body god miraculously did that to the right one of us um but also um, she was healthy Mm -hmm. nothing was wrong with her Mm -hmm. um she's 13 now and God help her. I wish she would have had some problems with her mouth sometimes. Um, she is. Um, she's so much like her dad. God <laughs> help us. Um, but beyond all of that is that so many of the people I had scorned in the church and had turned my back on and had cursed out or been angry with because of you know saying things to my mom or dad that they had seen or heard me mm-hmm. doing or whatever were sitting in that lobby when we came out that day waiting mm. to love on us, had filled the pantry at the apartment that I had gotten. Um, had bought and Lord knows how much um, worth uh, and baby clothes and food wow. and diapers and everything we would need in like thirty six hours or less. By the time I got out of the hospital with Kai and Kristen, all of that was I mean, my my apartment was furnished and all that stuff was there. I mean, wow. she had more stuff than I did at that point. In time. It was, wow. um, and it was God saying, "Hey, once again, I'm not leaving you behind."
0: Yeah,
1: um, and Hear me when I say this, anybody that hears this, um, a guy named H.B. Charles, there's a pastor at a church in California, Shiloh, somewhere in California, um, Shiloh Baptist Church, said this one time about his own walk that um, the Lord saved him from having to go through all of this stuff that I'm talking about. Um, And so if your story is not like mine and not crazy and all that kind of stuff, do not fret. Um, because God saves you from all of this terrible, horrible stuff that is in this world that the deceiver wants to tell you is good and Mm -hmm. and ruins you. Um, But some of us go through these things. And please hear me if you are someone in these kind of situations or wondering how can I get away from this or what do I do or who do I turn to. um, God is always there to give you somebody. Mm -hmm. um, And he's never there to leave you alone, never to let you, to just perfect example of a place to say this he's never just going to let you die in your sin he had a son that he sent for that and i noticed in that moment of having a child why god Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs)
1: why would you give this messed up human being a kid who, who is a kid himself and who's still making dumb decisions and i had changed a lot you know that year of school really those guys worked on me and kept me and my mind changed on on the church culture and mm-hmm. who people were, and, and the way that God worked, and I started to truly see, you know, the, the community of faith that I had, mm. and, and the, the love that God gives through the people that He sends you, and all of those things. Um, and in that moment, I'm holding a child. Never would I have imagined being a father at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, And I told some friends uh, shortly after this happened, uh, I told some friends, I said, I don't think until the other day I truly knew what love was because I would die a thousand deaths for this kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's not even able to look at me yet, can't even barely open her eyes. Um, And I would die pill killage for this child. Mm -hmm. And I felt more understanding in those first couple days of my daughter's life the way that God feels for me than I ever have. The understanding of I love you way more than that. hmm <laughs> All of the yeah. things that you've gone through, Joshua, I love you more than that. Mm. I am still here, I'm still calling you, I'm still putting people in your life. You know, you get these guys at school that are just dying to help you and love you and, and carry you on, and, um, all because they wanna show you that I'm here to love you and, and didn't leave you and all of those things to just wallow in. Um, and so, you know, here we are, we talk about this man. Jesus mm-hmm. was, like I said, not real in terms of I knew he was real, and thought, but he wasn't real to me in terms of um, where I would turn for strength and hope mm-hmm. and encouragement. Um, that was all just a farce that I used to tell everybody else who came to church, that, hey, if you're here, this is what you're here for. This is what the church is about. We're here to mm-hmm. tell you about this. Um, and I think I finally got to a place where it was like, oh, I really, truly need
0: this. I right.
1: really, truly see in my life now why. I need this and it wasn't even because of herbs because of me yeah <laughs> I am this child in your eyes God right I am this like like you see me in this way just this perfect precious thing and I am so far from that yeah but because of your son because of Christ and because of the grace and mercy that he gave us in the cross you look at me like I look at this child mm-hmm. with so much love and so much depth that I just I still now I don't understand it mm-hmm. um, and that's the joy that I get from is that I don't have to understand <laughs> it but it's that um,
0: but you, you did know, have my, to
1: receive it yeah my at that point in time I had to let all of that hard outer shell mm-hmm. of loneliness all of those pent-up feelings go and go yes Lord I see it mm-hmm. I, I, it has been and here's the thing people please understand when I say this um, so often we, we choose these things um, we choose to put them in the way because we think something here is going to replace that
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, something here is going to prove that base knowledge as a human that Romans speaks about it in the beginning of Romans talks about it. we all have a knowledge that there is God we mm-hmm. all have a knowledge that there is tr- like you know true sp- truth in that in that area, I don't know how else to put that. Then you know, he says himself that the fool says there is no God, and and so I think that what I mean by that is that we try to fill that with stuff to make ourselves go. See, knew there wasn't a God, knew that this wasn't right. true, and then, then we hit that spot of just fool. You know, we we hear that verse of uh, lay all cares down on his feet, all anxieties, and just cast your burdens on him. And in that moment, I went, Lord. I don't know what I'm doing in my life. Mm-mm. I was like this whole time. I've 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 spoken um, this whole month of January to my students about that not yet period, and I hated that not yet period. I'm, we're all in not yet periods in our mm-hmm. lives. We're not yet here, not yet there. Or careers, families, whatever it is, and and so um, in that not yet period of my life, I I was so full of these things that I had thought were going to show me. Okay, all of this whole 19 years up until now has just been. These people have just been, you know, like the atheist or whoever want to tell you that it's just a, a fantasy story. And mm-hmm. you are so far from that. You mm-hmm. know, and I had experienced God so many times. I had mm-hmm. been in his presence and I had felt his presence and I had heard his call on my life. But I had put so many things in between us that I had to truly just, mm-hmm. okay, and, and as you said, just confess it and just give it up, you know, and, and choose that, you know, that understand and when i say choose i mean choose the understanding of you're wrong and and he's real yeah
0: and you can't do
1: this alone yeah you can't do this alone you're not going to be able to disprove in your own mind you know you have understood and have you know i tell students all the time if you've had a moses moment where the lord's presence has been in your life you will never i don't care what you go through you will never ever be able to think outside of belief that god is there right like So many, I mean, Lee Strobel, one of those authors that, you know, he's got the case for Christ um, that he talks about, um, you know, he's basically a detective um, and goes through just the detective work of trying to prove that God was not real um, as an atheist. And he proved to himself and you see through his work and through this author, you know, the author's this book that. He proves himself that God is real, and he turns mm-hmm. from an atheist from being an atheist to Christian, and, and that's in my belief what happens is that we try so hard to prove ourselves that God isn't real that we come to the realization that right. oh, I cannot I do cannot this. Away from you him. are so right. Yeah, you're in
0: everything, you yeah. know, and I can't turn from you. So good. To fast forward, you're now a youth pastor. Yeah. And here you are.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so. Um, in in layman's terms, the way I teach kids is that before Jesus, um, which I have a hard time saying there was much before Jesus in my life, but before personal Jesus in my life, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was this lost, lonely person that was trying to fill that hole of Christ with everything I could, um, literally everything I could. And so, um, now when I hit that moment of true surrender to who he is and to the, you know, we hear those, you know, the phrases like make Jesus the Lord of your life, you know, he the reason scripture calls him the lord is because he needs to be the lord yeah. that term is not big just l a, yes big, big l, l. <laughs> that, that that term the lord is not a a flippant term it mm-hmm. should be taken very seriously and reverently to understand that yeah he, sh- he should rule me um,
0: yeah.
1: and we don't like to hear that americans especially um you know as humans um, sure but as americans we're prideful and we're strong-willed and we don't like someone lording or ruling over us and that causes problems in our prideful, arrogant lives. And so, um, uh, yeah, we have to come to that surrender to realize mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. And so for the last, uh, well, 13 years, it was 13 years in August when she was born. Um, that was literally the, you know, I have people talk about salvation moments. I, I know that I was saved as a kid. Uh, let me go back to that, you know, way back to that when I was right. a child. Um, I know that the Lord saved me, um, because, I again, you talk about that hearing the Lord's call and things like that, you know that's real. Mm-hmm. Um, and seven, maybe eight years old, um, I can remember my brothers coming home from kids' camp and being up front talking about God and talking about these things. And um, I can vividly remember turning to my dad and saying, I need Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I need to put my faith in Jesus. And um, as a kid, I did that. And I believe at that moment, God began to work on me. God began mm-hmm. to show himself to me and... and um, changed my life I I think for all of us sanctification looks different Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that God saved me then but I believe it took a lot of sanctifying in my life for me to really truly surrender yeah Um, you know and some people may disagree then you weren't saved Uh, I would disagree with you simply because I I never walked away from the Lord I I never never disnounced his name or or uh, never had a moment in my life or if mm-hmm. you would have asked me even in the most stoned state that I ever could have been in he would have been the answer mm-hmm. that yeah Jesus is Lord yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, and, I, and I do think like and, I could have said yeah. in any way right and
0: answer. that is a conversation um and I, I hope that some point this leads to more conversations um on a different level but you know and actually i had a question mark your salvation versus your surrender and for some people it is the exact same moment yeah for other people sometimes we're slow learners yeah um and it doesn't mean that we didn't surrender that moment but i think complete surrender does come sometimes later for us for some of us and i can say us because it was for me and there was probably a 15 year you know 10 to 15 year gap there it just sure. is what it is when you think about oh sh-, you know he was saved as a little kid he's fine he's just well, <laughs> no keep keep working on him or you yeah. don't and at the bottom line is no one knows someone else's heart yes only god knows your heart yeah. and whether you were then or you are now that's between you and god mm-hmm. and the important thing is is that someone kept loving on you someone kept praying for you god never turned his face from you yeah. and he's never going to nope. and here you are like making the Jesus ripple and sharing your story. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. It's a good story.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, you know, like you said, the whole, you know, when you go from salvation to surrender, um, yeah, it's a, sometimes we know we have that knowledge, like we talked about, that you know we understand. I know, like I said a second ago, you could have asked me at any point in time, who he was, and he is Lord. Mm-hmm. I could answer like Peter, and it would have been true. It would not have been any kind of falsehood in my statement from my life. But you know, also that struggle of um, letting those things go and surrendering every piece of it, because I was still so frustrated over so many things for so long that I was afraid. Right? How can your will be better for than you know? How can your will be better for my life than mine? Yeah. You know, just because you saved me doesn't mean that I can't you know do these things and so yeah that's sometimes it's just maturity yeah well that's a big one i was you know i hate to say that but i i was pampered a little too much as a you know as an athlete and things like that and so it 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 fed into that yeah that's not a knock on any of those people i appreciate the love and the support and the encouragement that and all of those people they were just doing what they thought was the thing to do yeah they believed in me they you know they heralded me as a you know who i was and so they didn't expect me to be hiding this other life behind my back and doing all these things and yeah and all that so
0: so josh one final message for anyone listening that doesn't have a personal relationship with jesus christ
1: every religion in the world is going to tell you that something's wrong with you every religion religion in the world is going to tell you that they have a way to fix that about you and that uh, if you do these things god will love you and um one of the greatest Examples or illustrations I've ever heard was David Platt was talking to a couple of different people from different religions that wanted to say that our gods were all the same, and he looked at them and he said, "In a lot of ways, you may be right, but in the one way that really matters is that my God came from off the mountain and down to save me, and your God is telling you you have to climb the mountain." And that is Mm -hmm. what I realize about my relationship with Christ is that all this time I wasn't even trying to climb the mountain. Mm. I was trying to run from the other Mm. I was trying to run the other way and he was coming down that mountain after me so I say that meaning this you have a God in this world that created you and he created you because you have purpose and Mm. that purpose is major when it's in him Mm. outside of Christ this life truly doesn't have a purpose Mm -mm. because God did not create us to be outside of Christ his harmony and his truth for us was in Christ the way he created things and the way that he has set them up to give us salvation um, he has made it that way because we're meant to be with him so please no matter where you are in your life realize no matter how maybe hurt you've been from a church or from a Christian or from what you think you know go read the bible for yourself pick up the gospels and find a church that will do like I'm saying that will love on you Mm. uh, that will give you the support that you need no matter where you are in your life. Look, some people may not like me saying this, but some churches need to chill out and let people have have their life as they come to Christ um, mm. and, and work through those things. And I don't mean that we should mm. just let sin happen in their lives and we shouldn't speak out against it, but that we need to realize that we can not expect people who don't know Christ to live like they do and that when they walk into our churches that people like me that had grown up in that church just like the person who is feeling like an outcast or whatever need that love mm-hmm. need to be shown the support that hey we get that you're going through xyz and then you may be in this place but the lord shows us this way you right. know and, and love them toward those things love your neighbor as yourself um, and that that is the way christ loved people right and i think that when you get close to him you begin to see that um, the true christ of the bible loved his neighbor as himself and he died for him Um, you me and everyone else um, that will call on his name um, he died for us and that relationship is truly just surrendering to that knowledge and walking by that truth that man he he will give you all the blessings that you truly need not that you think like i did that you want certain things but what you need he will give you absolutely rest Peace. Peace, all of it. Laughter, yeah.
0: Silly jokes with cool Christians. <laughs> that's right.
1: All right, uh, Josh. I
0: appreciate you so much. Uh,
1: Thank I you. I Appreciate you too. It's been a, it's been a great opportunity to uh, to sit and talk to you, knowing that uh, you're a part of the reason I'm where I am these these days. And so
0: that's a whole other podcast. Yes, it is. <laughs> My dear friend. I want you to know that this man, Jesus, my guest spoke of is relentlessly pursuing you at this very moment and longs to love you unconditionally, no matter your story. There's no fancy prayer or special words. Just believe, trust and surrender. We've listed several free resources in the show notes to help you begin your relationship with Jesus and to walk in his truth and love today and for eternity. And to my brothers and sisters, if you already have a relationship with Jesus then I encourage you to continue to pray for our guests and all who listen to this podcast and to go tell others about a man that changed your life forever.